Um, well, good morning. My name is Stephen Ferguson. Uh, I get the uh, privilege of emceeing one of the, uh, what we call the Selah service. Basically, it's a service where we get uh, people from the congregation to share what they've been learning recently at church or just what God has been doing in their life. Um, so since we've been studying the wisdom literature, and in the wisdom literature, there's a lot of um, songs. There are actually people going to come up and share songs they've written, um, worship songs they've written, and just sharing that with the congregation. And so with that said, uh, the first person who will be sharing will be uh, Lorraine sharing a song she wrote, um, and Dave and Kay will be coming up and playing. So you guys can come on up, um, and they'll share a little something about that. Good morning. Um, we are happy to share a little bit with you today. Um, something that I've enjoyed doing over many years is singing and songwriting. And um, just as a way to express myself, express my love for the Lord, share encouragement. And when Brian Racer was speaking on Psalms, um, he encouraged us to share um, if we have those gifts that we want to share with other people. And so it got me thinking about picking one of the songs that I've written to share with you all today. And then, um, which one to pick? So I was thinking about Song of Solomon, which was, uh, was that just last week? Yeah. And when uh, David Deglow was sharing about that, one thing he talked about, just an application at the end, was um, that we can apply it also, not just you know with Solomon and his wife, but um, the church and Christ, the bridegroom. And this song is, um, you can think of it as a love song to the Lord, a prayer to the Lord, and um, Dave's got a verse to share too. And what we'll do is um, I'll sing. I'm going to sing the verses in the bridge. There's no chorus. I just didn't put one in. Um, and then there's going to be an instrumental part with just Dave and Kaylee. And then we're going to revisit the two verses. And, and after the instrumental part, when we do that, I would like to welcome you. If you would like to sing as well and make this your prayer, uh, the prayer of your heart to the Lord, please feel free to do that. Some of the rhythms are a little expressive, <laughs> so it, it, you may find it a little different, but um, feel free to, to hum along or sing along in those last two verses if you'd like to do that. Go ahead. Jesus, my Savior, I adore you. Jesus, my Lord, my love, and my friend. You're the love of my life, and I praise you. You're my 
Jesus, my Savior, I adore you. Jesus, my Lord, my love, and my friend. You're the love of my life, and I praise you. You're my purpose to live, so I seek you. May my life shine forth, my love for as the radiant gleam of the stars, I want the world to know that you are my everything. I want your fragrance to pour from me as a rose. You're the love of my life, and I praise you. You're my purpose to live, so I seek you. May my life shine forth, my love for you. As the golden sun shine at dawn. Jesus, my Savior, I adore you. Thank you guys for sharing that with us. We'll definitely, I hope we do that on a Sunday morning um, in the future. Um, next we have uh, Jonathan Jones, uh, actually the leader of my life group, so I'm excited to have him uh, share, share what he's been getting from the wisdom literature. 
they had it was for a writing hello so uh so yeah so my name is uh, is Jonathan and uh I uh I get a lot of the w wisdom literature growing up uh in my ranger programs kind of like boy scouts at the church I was told uh Proverbs is a good book for every month. There's about a, a chapter per day, and uh, if you read that kind of every day, you'll be in pretty good shape. So I was like, okay, I'll give that a go. And uh, so here I am 10, 12 years later and doing pretty much the same thing. Uh, not quite, not quite. I would, I would love to say I actually did that every day, but not quite. But, um, but, but my kind of my takeaways from the, uh, the poetic literature, the wisdom literature, is uh, is I was kind of looking and thinking back over them, and I kind of saw a, a little bit of a pattern um, or a uh, kind of a storyline. Um, and so, uh, so, so with that, I was just going to talk over some of the things that that I'd seen in Proverbs uh, has so much wisdom. And the piece that I uh, have been thinking about a lot recently is uh, even a fool is considered wise if he doesn't open his mouth. And uh, <laughs> I was I was thinking about that in a few ways. Uh, I was uh, growing up. I thought, hey, if I keep my mouth shut, then uh, most of my, my older siblings will play with them more, that type of thing. Um, when I got into the workforce, it, it kind of backfires a little bit uh, because if you don't open your mouth, uh, people assume that you know more than you do, and uh, yeah, you can find yourself in a lot of uh, problematic situations. Um, and I was actually thinking, even even today, uh, speaking up in front of us, and, and even the pastors speaking up from day to day, uh, they take a big risk uh, when when they come up here and, and they talk uh, because uh, they, they say something wrong. Every, everybody knows. Uh, it's you can't really take that back. Um, and uh, but at the same time, it's kind of that opportunity to share what what God has has been has been putting on your. On your on your life, so um so one of the pieces that uh, of of proverbs and and the the part of the book that I've really enjoyed um, now that I have some kids uh, and and even before even in college I was uh, definitely tired quite a lot of the time and I think in in a lot of phases of life you 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 find yourself very weary um, so this this last piece of uh, in in Proverbs thirty one one b through nine I was just going to share it goes I am weary God but I can prevail. Surely I am only a brute, not a man. I do not have human understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I attained to the knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is the name of his son? Surely you know. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, for he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become, may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And, and so these, uh, these verses are, uh, they're just so rich to me, um, especially growing up in the church thinking I knew something about the Bible and then all these years later, getting to these verses and, and seeing whoever's writing this book, he's saying, surely I'm only a brute. I don't know anything about God. For, for all the time I've spent in the temple, for all the time I've spent worshiping God, for all the miracles I've seen God do, I don't know anything about God. And I just find that so humbling because 
so often when I'm going into the scripture, I, I'm not going with that open mind of like, what is God going to show me today? What is there? What, what is he saying? I'm going in thinking, oh, yeah, I've read that before. I've read that before. I've seen that. I remember a pastor talking. So, and it's, it's not, that's not at all the way that, that we need to approach the word of God. And, uh, and so I just, I, I love this reminder. Um, and then this, this part at the end, uh, don't, don't give me too much, God. Give me the right amount. I mean, how often do you hear that anywhere uh, on any radio show or, or television show or, or movie? It's, it's like, it, it's so, it's so different from anything uh, that, that even our culture, uh, most culture, any culture puts forward. Um, and uh, I just, I, I really, uh, I, I pray that someday that that really is my, my heart cry to God, where it's like, uh, if, if God, as God provides my daily bread, I thank him for it. If he doesn't seem to, then I know it's, it's just a time to trust in him. And, and if he's, if for some reason I'm seeing an opportunity to, to get more than, than, than I, I, I honestly really need, I pray that he'd kind of give me that heart to, to give it away, to pass it along. Um, I think Billy Graham was the one who said that God might let a lot of money go through your hands and very little of it stick. And uh, I think that's a, uh, a kind of a good lesson in life and, and a good piece of, of the wisdom. And so then kind of going on from a book that's purely about wisdom to Job, uh, I, I, I kind of see Job as, as this guy. Um, he's almost the Solomon before there was Solomon. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is um, in, in Job 1.8, and uh, pull up Job 1.8 so I get the, uh, actually read the verse right. But it's, uh, it's Satan going to, to, to God and God uh, <laughs> telling him about Job. And he's saying, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And uh, I'd read that verse a few times. But, um, but what I hadn't realized uh, until the, the time, I think it was Brian Racer presenting, uh, was this, this little phrase at the end, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Um, that's a very common phrase. It's common in, even in the songs that we were singing. Uh, and, and, and what I like about that verse, what I found very, very interesting, is that that's right at the start of the book. And then about halfway through the book, Job 28, 28, and it's an easy verse to remember because it's the same, same uh, chapter and verse number, then uh, uh, Job, Job actually gives an identity to wisdom. He's like, uh, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To shun evil, that is understanding. And, uh, and I just found that very, very interesting. So I was like, hey, if I, if I want to grow in wisdom, I need to learn to, to fear God. It's like not just the beginning of wisdom, that, that is wisdom, according to, to Job 28, 28. Uh, and so I, I, I was like digging through Job, reading Job a lot, especially that Job's discourse in the middle. So I was like, hey, what, what is he saying about a guy who fears God? What does he do? He, he looks after the, the orphan, the widow. He, he, he gives justice to the poor. Like there are these qualities that I think about, I talk about, I'd like to say that I do, but, but when I think about my life day to day, I probably don't do them as, as, well, as, I, as, I, as well as I'd like to. But there's this piece in Job uh, that I also didn't really see until, until this sermon series, and that is um, the kind of Job's heart. He's this guy who fears God. He shuns evil. And the, most of the book is about him arguing his case uh, with his friends. And then eventually at the end of the book, God's coming up to him and saying, hey, this is me. This is, I, I'm God. I laid out the heavens. I, he talks about his awesome qualities, and, and I wish we had time to, to read over that passage of Scripture again too. But I see, like, God essentially saying to Job, hey, you've done everything right. You, 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 you feared God. You shunned evil. 
to some extent, you see some parallels in the New Testament with, with the, the prince who comes to Jesus saying, what, 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 what do I need to have eternal life, right? But what I see is, is God telling Job, hey, you've done everything right. The peace that I really, really want is your heart, Job. I really want your heart. Uh, like, I, I put you through some, some crazy tests, and, and you, you, you passed them. But what I really want is that heart that trusts in me, that just wants me, that, that's, that's happy with, with just me. That even if I strip away your wealth, again, uh, you're just going to go back to me. And, uh, and that's a, a really, to, to me, it's a really beautiful way to see that conclusion in Job. Um, and, and it's the Bible, so you can interpret it a few ways. Um, but, uh, but, but that was a really, really interesting uh, like thing that I saw from, from Job. Um, and then actually in, in our life group, um, uh, they, uh, they brought up this other aspect to, to Job that I hadn't really been thinking about, and that is uh, grieving as a form of worship. And uh, there is a lot to grieve about uh, li- living in the U.S., living in the world we do, and, uh, and even just living in, in my <laughs> neighborhood, for goodness sake. Um, and, uh, and I was thinking, like, it's not really something that we, we really share that much. It's, it's definitely uh, it's a very vulnerable time if you're grieving. Um, there's a lot of pain, um, but what I liked in, in the, uh, the, the, the kind of the points that my life group brought up was God welcomes that grief, and he wants you to share it with him. Uh, he, he's not afraid of it. He, 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 obviously, he, can, he understands it better, better than we do, and, uh, and it's really this form of worship, and if we kind of look forward a little bit in the Bible, we see lamentations, right? That is, uh, it's a lament. It's, uh, it's, it's basically grieving um, in, in a very poetic form. And uh, I just, I was thinking, hey, you know what? That's something that I don't, I, I need to, 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 to really grab onto and, and realize that when, when something painful happens, there is uh, not just a, and not just when something bad happens. I mean, there's, uh, we're, we're in the month of June, and I think most people know what that means. Um, and that's just really a, uh, a time, a reason to grieve uh, and a reason to, to pray to God to, to work in our country and to, to change hearts and to, to change minds. Um, and so, uh, so, so yeah, so that was, uh, was really, really interesting. Um, and actually I'm, I will pull out a few more parts from, from Job. Um, so I'm kind of going a little bit out of order in my notes, but going back to when God is talking to Job about how great he is. Um, there is a, a few verses. I am an engineer, so these ones do, do resonate with me. And that's Job 38, 33a. Do you know the laws of the heavens? And I think about Newton's laws, and I, I even think about how going even forward fasting to, 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 uh, to Einstein and what he did. One of his two postulates is that the laws of motion stay the same in all frames of reference. And when I think about how good God's laws are that he used to set up the heavens, how despite all of what man's thought of and reasoned, it's still a fundamental postulate. It's an assumption that this law that God set up in one frame of reference works in another frame of reference, and, and that's how it works. That's how you have GPS, um, and uh, and it's just it was very interesting. Another piece, Job thirty nine twenty six, does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south, and uh, and the hawk. It's interesting. He brings up the hawk because the hawk is uh, is is a very important bird in, in the field of aerodynamics. Where if you want to make fast airplanes, if you want to make hypersonics, you study the hawk and, and its its wing structure and, and how it's built and how it, it. There's just so many aspects to the hawk that that make it a very very interesting thing. It's this thing that God designed from the start of creation, and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a brilliant. Um, it's just brilliant to see God at uh, kind of displaying his awesomeness. I I love that. 
Um, and then uh, kind of go into the final pieces, and hopefully I'm not taking too much time. Just yell at me if I am. Um, uh, the, uh, the, the final piece that, that I like from these poetic books, I guess it's a little bit out of order, but uh, in terms of God going for Job's heart, I think about who's a man who, who has a heart after God, and, and that's really David. And, uh, and I was seeing, um, like, I, growing up, I, I've, I've, I've read the Psalms a lot and studied them a lot. Uh, and when I, when I started to think about, hey, this heart after God's own heart, how can I have this heart after God's own heart? Maybe I need to, to read a lot more what David wrote, right, if I want to have a, a chance at, at getting this heart. And, like, what I, what I really like about, uh, so I'll just pull out a couple of the Psalms, but um, what I see kind of in, in Psalm 1 is, is kind of David's approach to life. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, how, how does David approach right life? And the psalm goes, blessed is the man who does not walk in, in, in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, he's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I just, I, I, when I think about that approach to life and, and how it goes, then it's just, it's like, okay, so this is, this is the way that I, that I need to be uh, living life. And then kind of going into Psalm 2, like, why do the nations conspire and, and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. And, and the, psalm, the rest of the psalm is very, really, really good, and, and, and it goes into more detail. But I like from that, it's, it's kind of his, his view of, of politics in the world. He's the guy who's been chased by Saul, been seeing the Philistines kind of wreck his country. And, uh, and it's just like, despite all of that, this is his perspective on, on his kind of his worldview to, to some extent. Uh, and I just, I found that really, really cool. And then kind of David's view of creation, like, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your, uh, is, is your name in all the earth. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You set him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with honor and glory. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, uh, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air. Um, the fish, the sea, all that's from the paths of the seas. And I think about just like how David's really taking this wide-eyed view of God and, and seeing who he is and, uh, and how small David is and how small we are uh, in relative to, to everything God's made. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just beautiful. And then the, the, the final piece, this, uh, this um, well, a couple of final pieces. Um, <laughs> two, just two, 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 more, two more pieces. Um, that is uh, Psalm, Psalm 17, 6 through 9. Um, I, I call on you, Lord. I'll call, I call on you, my God. For you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who are out to destroy me from my mortal enemies who surround me. And I love that, uh, that, that desire from David to, to say to God, Keep me as right, right, right where you're looking. Keep me right where you're looking, God. This is like I don't, I don't want you to look anywhere else. Just, just look at me. I, I need, I need you to be watching over me. And then this, this last piece that that I want to leave everyone with, and that I, I try to think about. I try to 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 make my heart's desire. Um, and that is in Psalms uh, 27:4. One thing I ask from the Lord, 
This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And this last piece is just, I just, I, it's, it just blows away my mind because you have David who's done basically everything there is to do, and he's, he has one desire. He's, he's stacked up more gold than, than, than most uh, presidents or whoever can, can think about, dream about, and he's like, hey, you know what? This is what I seek. I, I seek to, to be with God. I seek to, to see him, to know him, to worship him in, in his temple. And, uh, and so, so the, yeah, those are kind of the, some of the main things that I picked up from the, uh, the poetic books. So thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. That was a good summary almost of the um, wisdom literature, so thank you. Um, Next is my dear sister, Ella, so give her a listen up. I like that, listen up. Okay, good morning, everybody. So I'm, thank you for saying good morning. I'm going to be mostly camping out in Ecclesiastes, actually. I, that was one of the, it's one of my favorite books now. It's funny, I used to really dislike the book of Ecclesiastes. I would read it, and I'd be like, this is super depressing. Why would I want to read this? And I would move on with my life. But now I actually really like it. Um, and I think part of what makes me like it a lot more now is um, if I'm being, like, super honest, as I've transitioned from being in college which with a very definite goal of graduation to look forward to and moving into just working full time with like literally no achievable goals. You just go to work. I'm like, okay. I'm sorry. I, like, I can sometimes fall into the life under the sun mindset of being like, why am I doing this? I, you know, you go to work and then you come home and you're tired and you do a few little things and you go to work again. And sometimes it gets very tiring. But what I like about Ecclesiastes is while it acknowledges that, it also starts to point you towards like um, the ability to enjoy it. It's like, a, it's like, hey, yeah, there is like a lot of work and toil in your life, but it is something that God has given to us, and I think that's kind of cool. So I have a couple verses, a lot of verses to read, because I like the verses. Um, in Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to something 9 to 13 says what gain has the worker from his toil i have seen the business that god has given to the children of man to be busy with he has made everything beautiful in its time also he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what god has done from the beginning to the end i perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live also that everyone should take should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil this is god's gift to man so it's always a good reminder to me that my toil is a, actually a gift from God, that he has made us all to work, whether it's at a job or whether it's at home raising kids or whether it's in school, whatever, wherever he has placed us, it is a gift to be able to work. And also I think it's a gift that God allows us to enjoy not just our work, but he also wants us to enjoy like just our regular lives as well. Like it talks about later, like go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved what you do. That's a little, I don't know. Solomon's interesting, but it says, "Let your garments always be white. Let oil not let not be oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might." And then he ends this verse with, "For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going." And I think this is when 
there's something Brian pointed out that I thought was cool because he said Solomon has a very limited view when he's writing the Psalms. He's or when the, he's writing Ecclesiastes, he's writing very much from like a worldly, materialistic viewpoint, right? Like Solomon had wandered; he no longer really was following God strongly. But for us, we know we can work hard at what we do with all our might, not because whatever it doesn't matter but because that's where God has placed us. Again, whether it's at home or working, like he has placed you there and we are to be faithful and to work hard because that is glorifying to God. Um, so I think that was a really good point and a good viewpoint to read Ecclesiastes with, remembering that Solomon's view is limited, but we can read it. And instead of seeing like the hopeless parts, we can read it and be like, oh yeah, there is like, there's purpose in all that we're doing because it's where God's placed us and we can be faithful. Um, yes. Okay, another theme from Ecclesiastes that I really like and that I found really encouraging um, is kind of like, I don't know, the idea that like nature it, like will just keep going, whatever like our decisions are. Like there's a verse that says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. And for me, that's been very helpful because like nature is symbolic for God, like and God is larger than the things that we are facing, because sometimes it seems like you get caught up in your tiny little troubles and struggles and everything like that. And for me, it's been helpful to like take a breath and look up and you see, okay, even though things seem very difficult right now, God is still larger than my problems. Like he's still making the earth to turn. He's still making the clouds move and the sun move. So it's just been a helpful like uh, breather for me when I read that. Um, yeah. That's actually pretty much... I have oh yeah and just kind of the idea so again like Solomon has a limited point of view because so he talks about how everything's meaningless but we know that God has placed us in different places in different seasons and also that with the new covenant with Jesus we also have a renewed purpose so um, the end of Ecclesiastes it says like this is the end of the matter fear God and keep his commandments and Jesus says the greatest commandments are these love your God as love your God with all your heart soul strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself and then his last command before he rose back to heaven was go therefore and preach the gospel to all creation so I feel like it's um it's cool that God has given us a life that we're able to enjoy our work we're able to enjoy a regular life um and that we also can live with a purpose throughout all of that and that is part of our purpose is living well I guess and where God has placed us but also always looking for ways to love God more love our neighbors more ways to share God's truth with people um yeah so that's that's all I Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, next we have uh, Josiah Skiles. I think your mic is muted. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Could you guys hear me for that first part? I can, okay. All right, well, so um, I really love Job. I really enjoyed um, Dave Ferguson's message on Job. But um, something that's really struck me about Job recently, because I've been reading it um, again, and I, um, over the last like half year or so, I have been struggling with a lot of doubts about my faith and, and going through a lot of um, uh, 
trying to understand things better and, and strengthening things and evaluating things. And one thing through the course of it all that I find myself, you know, kind of facing or struggling with is like the objection of divine hiddenness. Like if God is here and I'm having these issues, why can't he just like tell me that it's fine and like, you know, keep going like, okay, yeah, thanks, you know. Um, and that can be, it can be hard to be like, why can't I just hear from God right now? Um, that would make things so much simpler. Um, and I find Job relatable in that capacity because even though he's still trusting in God through his struggles, he's kind of like, why is this happening? Can you, can you just tell me what's going on? He says uh, in verse, uh, in chapter 13, verse 24, why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? And I, I, I relate to that. And um, here, I think this is the system that will work well for me. So, um, but I found a lot of encouragement in um, uh, the words of Elihu when he comes and, and rebukes Job and his friends. Um, he says in chapter 33, uh, verse 12 to 18, he says, But I tell you, is, in this you are not right, for God is greater than any mortal. Why do you complain to him that he responds to no one's words? For God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep slumber falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to keep them from wrongdoing, to keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. Um, so, you know, it's, well, okay, hold on. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Then he says in, in chapter 34, uh, 29 to 33, but if he remains silent, who can condemn him? If he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he is over individual and nation alike, to keep the godless from ruling, from laying snares for the people. Suppose someone says to God, I am guilty, but will offend no more. Teach me what I cannot see. If I have done wrong, I will not do so again. Should God then reward you on your terms when you refuse to repent? You must decide, not I. So tell me what you know. So it's not an easy answer to divine hiddenness that God can do what he wants, basically, and he's there, and he does speak to us. He, he speaks to people as he chooses, but it is comforting to see that there is an answer, and it's not as if over the course of the creation of, of God's word, it's not like that was something that everybody forgot, you know. We, we never get an answer to that question, um, and so I, I've been very comforted by that, and mine is a lot shorter than everyone else's, but that's it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Uh, up next, we have uh, Tom Evans uh, wrote a song. He'd just like to share it. Hey, look at this. Uh, so yeah, so I I'm not an artist, um, but I was writing a I was kind of playing around with my guitar a few months ago, and uh, Elena was like, "That sounds like a real song." When I was I was like, "Oh yeah, it does." And uh, I was kind of goofing off with my kids, and uh, just kind of was doing a chord progression, and uh, that so I ended up just like, you know, I can write a song for this. So I started writing a song about halfway through the song. This is before we were in the wisdom literature, and and uh, I heard the Brian's sermon on Psalms, and he basically said, you know, we kind of have a, an embarrassment of riches of musical talent here, and I said, yeah, that's true. Not me necessarily, but everybody else. Um, and 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 he said, like, if you can write music, you should write music and share that. So 
This is a little outside my comfort zone, obviously. Um, so I'm going to share the song I wrote. I've had a lot of conversations with my boy Kevin about the Trinity lately. So I uh, kind of wrote it uh, to the Trinity, uh, each person of the Trinity, and then, um, and then yeah, kind of did it like an Acts format. So like adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, sort of, kind of. Um, we'll put the words up behind me. I don't want you guys to sing. Please don't. Um, <laughs> please don't. Uh, so it's just so you can hear what I'm mumbling when I when I go through. So that's that's why they're behind me. Um, and, yeah, my boy James is gonna help me with uh, playing some playing some things. This is my song for you, Father, King of kings, creator of all, righteous judge and sovereign, have mercy on those whom you call. Why did you choose to offer me grace? When Father, Son, and Spirit, 
awesomely complex trinity. How can I grasp your infinite nature? And if I could, would you be God? Increase my faith, Lord. Give me eyes to see. Your breath can create worlds. Would you care for me? My purpose is to love you for eternity. So I offer to you this song and all of me. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and actually the worship band can come on back up. Uh, so. But thank you for sharing that song. Yeah, I definitely hope to be uh, singing that one in future Sundays. But yeah, I guess I'll let the worship team take it away.